Hey guys, I couldn't be more excited to be here today and sharing this story. Breastfeeding and the journey itself is one of my most passionate topics to talk about. And I've been just waiting for the perfect opportunity to open things up and really dig into stories and the heartbreaking start of what is expected to be this natural and easy piece of motherhood. So many of us go into breastfeeding thinking it's going to be simple. We've heard stories of women who just got it. Their babies just got it. And so then when things don't go as expected in our own journey, we are left often feeling frustrated and ashamed and confused and grasping for answers and doing all the research and potentially in the end having to make decisions that we never ever thought we would have to. And so today we're going to hear from Laura Axelson and she's going to share her really, really tough story, but she's got an incredible message. So please listen all the way to the end. Before we head in though, I want to read a review. Today's review is from Lola She says, she is your village. If you've never met Sarah, listen to this podcast and you have. She's a genuine mama-boosting cheerleader who is always in your corner. She speaks the truth that is on our mama hearts, whether it's heavy to bear or lighthearted and silly. If you are momming and need a village, here it is. I love that. (laughs) One of the coolest reviews ever. Thank you so much, Lola. I want to be that woman for you guys, and I want this this community and this collective of mamas to be to be that for you. So thank you so much for those incredibly kind words. All right, I can't wait any longer. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. <laughs> it's mama time. Hey, mamas. Today we are talking with Laura Axelson. And Laura and I actually met through our husbands in Kodiak. And... I, I suppose they, well, they both worked at the same shop, but I was trying to remember earlier when the first time we met, and I'm going to be really embarrassed if this is wrong, but I think that we met, we were having a moving day, like a little moving day party because everybody from the shop had helped us and we bought a bunch of pizza and you came over. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I remember meeting you, but I thought, you know, maybe it was all so like quick and it was like, maybe I met her before, but that's the first time I really remember you have like, a really good memory. I was like trying to think back and like, now that you say it, that totally makes sense. But to me, I was like, okay, what is like my number one memory? And I was like, Thanksgiving. Cause oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. And we came over to your house and you had like place settings for everybody. And like, you did all the little card writing and we were making the turkey and we were like trying to figure out how to like rub the turkey without touching the actual turkey. <laughs> and it was like still kind of a little bit frozen from being in the brine, but like we made it work. It was so much fun. It was fun. I'm also pretty sure that that's the year. I'm pretty sure actually two out of a few of the years we were in Kodiak that we left the um, like giblets bag in the in the turkey when it was baking. That was a nice surprise. <laughs> I was in there deep enough. I've definitely done that a couple of times. And I think it's, if it's still frozen. It's like still stuck in there. So I guess that's my tip to everybody is make sure that your turkey isn't like fully thawed. Yeah. Yeah, just run under some water or something. <laughs> so Laura is a, if you can't tell, she's just like this super sweet and spunky chick. And she's been a teacher for 12 years, which I kind of feel is one of those things is pretty undeniable when you, when you meet you, like you're like you, I think you think in your head, like, man, she'd be such an awesome teacher. And then, you know, you tell somebody, it's like, oh yeah, it's so fitting. It makes so much sense. 
And you're mostly a music teacher, right? It's mostly what you've taught is music. So my original degree was in music education. And then I lived in a rural area and I just got into teaching PE anyway, based on just like life experiences that I had. And so now I do half and half. So I teach music okay. and PE part-time. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's really fun. Yeah. It's like the two best subjects you can teach. And this is Ivy. She <laughs> Yeah, she's into her sheep and is requesting it. So I love it. Okay, Ivy. Laura became a mama last year. To to so you you call her Ivy, but it's actually Yvetta May. Yeah, so her name is Ivetta, and she actually is named after John's mom. So oh. um, John's mom passed away from a stroke before I met him, and I think obviously it was really hard for him. And as soon as we knew we were having, well, even before we knew we were having a girl was like, what if we name her Ivetta and we call her Ivy because that was his mother's middle name. So I was like, absolutely. Of course, because when you're in a, you and your teacher, you've got kids with every name. So I was like, a family name is the perfect thing. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so true. Well, I think it's beautiful. I love it. And I love the short of it. Like it's sometimes like, you know, you find a name you really love and it's like, oh, but I don't really like the short version of that. I really love the long. So that's really pretty. For sure. Agreed. She's adorable. She's got these like little pigtails going on and she's just so sweet and chill. Like I can't get over, like Miles would be a, I mean, I realize they're different ages, but even at that age, there's no way. Like yeah. she's, she's pretty chill. She's pretty happy most of the time. Awesome. She's working on like three or four teeth right now. So Ooh, you know, mm-hmm. get a little hairy, but yeah. <laughs> well, today Laura is going to be sharing her breastfeeding story, which we share this super similar story and it's something breastfeeding has just become something that I'm incredibly passionate about because it was such a shock and surprise to me about how hard it was. And it was in fact, the hardest thing that I've ever done. And, you know, from starting the podcast, I knew that was something I really wanted to ensure that we highlighted on and talked a lot about, and I've been kind of just waiting for the right opportunity and the right story and the right person. And so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and kind of like helping me kickstart all of this. Yeah. And thanks so much for letting us be part of the show. Cause honestly, like I, I I knew a little bit about your story because I had called you when my breastfeeding journey was like getting, you know, side railed and I wasn't sure what to do. And I didn't know anybody who had struggled because everyone I knew is, you know, on their second or third kid. And I would ask them about, about breastfeeding and they're like, well, I don't know. You know, I just put them on there and everything's fine. It just works. And I'm like, well, that's neat. Um, do you have any advice for like when it doesn't work that way? And, you know, I read the books, like, I think it's called like the art of breastfeeding and there was one other one. I don't know. It's got like a pink cover. I read that one too. I had like the whole Pinterest board devoted to breastfeeding. I like knew all these different positions and like, I knew that like latching was sometimes an issue. So I looked into that and, you know, when Ivy was born, it was 24 hours of lots of hard work. And then she finally appeared um, and she latched right away. And I think that maybe, I don't know if that's common, if that's just a thing that happens when you have that golden hour and they crawl up and it was just so sweet. And like in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is amazing. And this is totally motherhood. And this is like what it's gonna be like. And maybe it's gonna be this simple. Um, And then, you know, we had the first weekend home with our baby and they always tell you like oh the second day is the hardest because that's when the crying starts yeah yeah. and um you know the the second day in the hospital John was like hey like the nurses keep coming around saying do you want me to take the baby for a little bit you guys can get some sleep and I was like I feel awful (laughs) like we just had her she's been here for like less than 24 hours we're like (laughs) baby you know what I mean and John was like this is the last time we're gonna have help so let them take her and we did we got a little bit of sleep and then we got home like I mean, obviously she cried a lot, but she's a baby. And yeah. we were like, this is just what happens. And what we didn't realize is that she was crying so much because she was probably hungry. And, you know, we put her on the breast as much as possible, but there were some times where I was like, she literally just ate, like, I don't know what the problem is. And um, it was a long weekend. It was a holiday weekend or something. And we got in for her two day appointment at four days. And she was kind of, she wasn't a tiny baby, but she was a seven pounder. And when we went to her appointment, I think she had lost like 12% of her weight. And they, they say that like, you can expect up to 10, but they were a little concerned about it. 
and my doctor is amazing and I love her. Um, and I definitely trust her. And now that I've done research about it, I know that some lactation consultants are like, that's totally normal. 10% is normal. Don't be worried about that. But of course, when they were like, oh, you know, she's lost all this weight and she's really hungry. And like, I don't think the milk has come in yet. I just felt horrible. Like I had been starving this child who has barely even started her life. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I just looked at John and cried and I was like, what have we been doing to her? You know, but obviously it was not purposeful. And she did tell me it's normal for first time moms, especially to not have their milk come in for anywhere from like five to seven days, sometimes up to 10. If you, you know, experience some kind of birth trauma. Yeah. And um, so I kind of tried to like rest on that information, knowing like this isn't my fault. Like I couldn't have known. Like I just, I hadn't prepared for any other option besides breastfeeding. Um, so they gave us some formula. They kind of fed her from a syringe and like a solo cup. And she was like so calm afterwards. And I was like, this is amazing. This is all she needed. Like I talk about like milk drunk babies. I'm like, well, here it is. She's just starving. And then John and I went home and we had all these cans of formula and we were like, well, you know, we're going to do everything we can while milk is coming in. But I really think it's important for her to have like as, as strong of a start as she can. So I was wondering about donor milk, which I know is something that you have dabbled with as well. Mm -hmm. And we started looking into it and the closest, um, I don't know what you call it. The place that does like a the, milk bank. Yeah. Okay. There we go. The closest milk bank was in Grand Rapids, which is two hours away. So that really wasn't a feasible option at the time because it was November. Like it was super snowy. We were by ourselves. We didn't really help at first, which was our choice. We wanted yeah. to like be able to bond as a family before we had visitors. So honestly, like John was talking with some of his coworkers because for some reason there was like nine babies born in the same year. At the <laughs> and um, there were two people. One of them had a baby literally the day before me. And another one, I think her child is maybe like six or nine months older. They both were like, hey, you know, this was a struggle with us with our first kid, with our second kid. We have like milk overflowing. We have too much. Like we have all of this storage. If it's not weird, you guys can have it if you want it. And like, at first I was like, well, that seems like a really cool thing, but like, how do you really feel about that, John? Like, is that okay with you? And then I had to like, kind of make myself okay with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, between the two things, I would rather her have breast milk, even if it's not mine. Yeah. And so we went and he drove me over to their house and I grabbed what I needed. Oh, hey, thanks. Thanks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd like to see that laptop. And I was like, I was so thankful to these other moms, but at the same time, I was like, I felt so humiliated, <laughs> you know? I don't know if you had that feeling, but I was yeah. just, thanks for giving me this thing that I can't do for my kid, but like you can, like you're literally like sustaining them right now. And like, I can never repay them for that. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we did for about a month. So I would, first I would nurse um, with the supply that I had. And then afterwards, we would supplement with a bottle just to make sure she was full because I wasn't producing quite as much as she was drinking. And like in the early days when they're only taking like two ounces at a time, yeah, that wasn't so bad. But then I think I was only really producing around two ounces when she got to four and six. And so then um, we probably used the breast milk for maybe like, I don't even know, eight weeks, maybe a little bit longer. And then we started to do transition to formula after nursing. So I would nurse and then give formula and then pump and then wait 30 minutes and then do the whole system again. And every time that I would nurse, I would go get the heating pads. I would drink the tea. I would do all the things that they tell you to do. And the most frustrating part is like, sometimes they tell you like to cover the bottles, like don't watch the pump. Because oh, if you're yeah. stressed out about pumping and like not producing enough, if you're looking and like you're constantly focused yeah. on not, you know, getting what you want for an outcome, then you can stress yourself out more. So I would like pump with something over top of me. I would try to listen to music. 
I had like breastfeeding affirmations for that very reason. Like I would, I don't remember like covering up so much, but I would say to myself, my boobs are making milk. My boobs are making milk. Like, yes, making milk. Yes. Because it is such a, you, I mean, I feel like it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can do this. My body can do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then every time I think literally every time, I think the most I ever got from a pump session was like maybe an ounce and a half, but that was, I guess that was after nursing. And they do say that like, sometimes different people don't respond well to pumping. Yeah. And you know, you might produce more when there's actually a baby yeah. and not a machine. And I think that, you know, that could be part of it too, but we just couldn't get enough in her just nursing. Yeah. So it's a necessity and something that we had to keep, keep working at. And, um, John went back to work after like probably two weeks. Um, he has 21 days of baby leave, which is great, but we decided to take it later, um, because we did have some family that was coming in and he's like, well, while family is there, you know, I'll go to work. And then when they're gone, I'll take my leave. So there's always, you know, someone. yeah. Um, and then there, you know, came the time where like, there was a couple of days where I was literally home by myself with her. And my usual routine was like, I would nurse her. And then while I was pumping, someone else would give her a bottle. And then when it was just me, I was like, well, when I'm attached to this pump, I can't hold her. Yep. So I'm literally like just sitting there looking at my baby, wishing I could hold her attached to this machine or like trying to give her a bottle while you're hooked up to the pump. And that's a nightmare. So um, it was just a lot. And I think that it took a huge toll on me mentally. And um, I was suffering from anxiety to begin with. <laughs> So, and I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of a type B person. I'm pretty easygoing, but I feel like the moment I had a baby, it was like, I did it like a complete 360. And um, I was just like afraid at all times that like something was going to happen or like I couldn't go to Costco because I was afraid that I was going to miss a nursing session or a pumping session and my supply was going to tank even more or like someone was going to fall down the stairs and I wouldn't know, like crazy thoughts. Yeah. You know, aren't legit but you still are like I have to go find out <laughs> so yeah I feel like not being able to hold her or feeling the stress of not feeling adequate to feed her every time she needed fed which when you're a newborn is a lot yeah hurt me really deeply and I think eventually we made it to about three-ish months when I had to go back to work and John and I had talked about it and I was like you know, what do you think if I just stop, you know? And um, he was like, I think that's fine. You know, if that's what you want to do, I totally support you. And he's like, you have worked so hard. I can't imagine what you could do that's more than what you're doing right now, you know? And sleeping would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then obviously like when you're a teacher and you go back to work and there's no such thing as pumping every hour and a half, two hours when you're yeah. in the, you might get, you know, one or two breaks a day. I think legally they have to give you two 15 minute breaks, but like by the time you set it up and you get it on and then put everything back in the fridge, like that's it's barely enough time to get. And, and it would be one thing if you were a milk mama and you're producing a lot. To me, it was like, maybe I could see myself doing that or that would make sense. But when we, you are struggling so much to get an ounce and a half, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was so much effort for so little result that it just wasn't worth it at that point. And what we talked about is like, you know, rather than having her have all the benefits of breast milk, obviously she's going to grow up fine and strong and smart and healthy using formula. But what she really needs is a happy present mother. Yeah. That's something that I really hadn't been able to do. And honestly, as, as much as I think breastfeeding is important. And I love it. And I wish that I had had a better experience with it. Parts of me want to go back and just, just quit from the beginning, which sounds really negative because I just wanted to hold my baby. I just wanted to be with her and not have that stress every time that she was in my arms, you know, and I'm, yeah. I wonder how different it would have been. And yeah. <laughs> you should be proud of how hard you worked. I, I, that totally makes sense to me. And I've definitely had the same thoughts. How much time could I have gotten back and how much more blissful could those days have been? But 
Yeah. There's something also, I mean, you're fight. There, there's reasons you're fighting so hard for it and you should be really proud of that. Yeah. So I realized like in this whole, this whole uh, story, I've left out like all the important things, like all the different things that I attempted. Yeah. So there are so many supports that are built in, in a community when you're struggling with breastfeeding. And I'm sure that you know about a lot of them. Um, and one of them is just other moms. Like if you just reach out to people that, you know, like I couldn't believe just John's coworkers were like, here, take my wife's breast milk. Great. Fine. Um, <laughs> And then when we were at the hospital, of course, we told the staff that we were wanting to breastfeed. And so they immediately assign you a lactation consultant. And so they come in and kind of give you the rundown, like right after birth. And then before you leave the hospital, they just make sure that you have a good latch and you know what that looks like. And um, they kind of give you their number for like a follow-up consultation that you can either come to the hospital or you can have them come to your house. And then I also signed up for a program that they offer here called Healthy Futures. And I think there's several different ones. It depends on your state, but it's a okay. program. It's for anyone who has children. And basically like they call you every couple of weeks and let you know like where you are development wise. They ask you what you need help with. They ask you like what to look for. And one of the things was breastfeeding help. And so um, I had met with the lactation consultants through the hospital and they were okay. I didn't love them. And I think just different people have different personalities and we didn't really click. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the message that they were sending was like, well, you just keep doing, you just keep doing what you're doing and it's going to work. And I was like, I'm, I'm trying really hard and it's not working though. Like, can you, you got anything else in there in that bag of tricks? <laughs> so, um, I had another lactation consultant come out to our house from Healthy Futures, and she was amazing. Her name is Patty. <laughs> so if Patty from Healthy Futures is listening, thank you so much. And she would literally text me from her personal number and just ask me how I was doing every day and like just was there to support me. And, you know, she came to the house. She listened to me cry for way longer than she needed to when she was here. Um, and she would bring her baby scale and she would weigh Ivy to make sure that she was growing and like getting a good feed. Um, and she just kind of like, she understood. And she's like, you know, I breastfed my kids, my daughter breastfed her kids. And she's like, my other daughter, it wasn't in the cards. It didn't work. You know, like this just happens and you don't have to beat yourself up. And I feel like for a lactation consultant to tell me that was like life-changing yeah. because for a lot of them, they're like, this is the end all be all. There is no other way. Yep. And yep. she was different. You know what I mean? Her perspective was just different. And um, we also had a breastfeeding support group here that cool. we at our hospital. So pre-COVID time, that was really cool. Um, and it was nice because you could go and you could sit with other moms that were either struggling or not. And everybody kind of had different things going on. Like some people were overproducers and their kids were having trouble with choking and yeah. things like and some people were underproducers. Some people were just there to meet other moms. Like you could sit beside somebody and you could like watch what they were doing and they could help you. Like it just. That's amazing. Of, yeah. That part was really awesome and like very valuable. So if there's anything like that in anybody's community, like I, even if you're not struggling to breastfeed, I feel like that's an amazing, excellent community to be a part of. Yeah. 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 We talked about this a little bit. We were kind of just on our phone call preparing, but about how I had never even seen a breastfeeding latch before I had miles. Like I saw maybe diagrams and books and I'd read things, but like actually seeing a mother do her method, you know, had I had no idea. And you don't, everything from being talked about a little bit how it's supposed to feel like and the things to look out for to make sure that they're swallowing. It sounds like to me too, though, that Laura, that you did, I feel like you did a little bit more research and you had a little bit more education than I think a lot of moms do going in because we have this expectation that it's just going to work. It's just going to be natural and it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I guess like I really looked into it because I really wanted it to work yeah. and, um, I, you know, you hear that like, it's like a supernatural thing, but then of course you also hear there's the other side of it. that's like, oh, well you want a strong latch. So that was something that I wanted to make sure that I kind of knew what I was doing. Like I did watch some YouTube videos and things like that. 
I knew about the whole hamburger thing. Yeah. <laughs> same <laughs> Yeah. Give him a sandwich. <laughs> that makes sense because, you know, before you have a kid, you're like, well, it's just there and you just put them on it. Like, and yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not, but, um, and also like, I don't know if this is anybody else, but I come from a really super modest family and like nudity is not a thing. We don't talk about body parts. Like, even if I wanted to know about breastfeeding from my mom, she would be like red just with the mention of like the word breast. So <laughs> that wasn't quite super helpful either. So it's not like one of those things where the generations can help you. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then even for me, like, even like, even when I was in the hospital, I was like, I don't know, like, can you touch this? Is this fine? You know, it was weird. Like even John was like, I'm so proud of you. You just like let that lady come up and grab your boobs. <laughs> There. Like I've never, I've never seen that. <laughs> like I guess you know things change when you have a baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. You mentioned like nipple shield, so I want I if you don't mind, I just feel like some of this is important. Is um, you know, when you are having issues, if you're producing low or or you're having issues, there's so many questions that lactation consultants and you have about the latch itself and. Um, so you had mentioned like using the nipple shield. So can you kind of talk me through a little bit about kind of what that part of the journey was like? And yeah, there's so many pieces that I feel like I forget about them when I talk about them all at once. Um, yeah. I think that the nipple shield came into play after a few weeks of supplementing after nursing with a bottle and the lactation consultant I was working with at that time had said, you know, I think that obviously a lot of babies that do both, they start preferring the bottle because it's faster and it's easier. And when they get done nursing, they're like, well, it's cool. Cause I'm still going to get all this food. And then it becomes like their preferred source. And then it's bad for production because then they won't stay on the breast as long, you know, like they'll pop off. And so she recommended if I wanted her maybe to spend more time at the breast and at the bottle to try the nipple shield. Okay. Um, so I did that for a little bit. I don't know that it made a huge difference, but she did, she did seem to prefer that for a while. Um, event, I used it for maybe like a couple of weeks and then I eventually kind of weaned that away too. Cause I didn't think we really needed it. Um, it's such a pain in the rear, like nipple shields. I know they have their, their purpose and they can really help, but they yeah. are not fun. They're annoying. I, be more ideal for maybe a baby that had been exclusively bottle fed to kind of transition back to the breast but it wasn't best for me as trying to do both because I felt like if she was already preferring a bottle that just kind of it almost like yeah enhances that it's like she's got plastic here she's got plastic on the bottle like now that's what she's going to be used to we will want it'll feel normal yeah I feel like I was doing so much to prepare for every nursing session it was just like one more thing and I was like I don't know I don't know if I could do that, but yeah, we tried so long to get off the shield. That was like such a, it was such a struggle and I'll, I'll bring up that since we're on the topic of nipple shields, part of the reason why I used it is we were wondering, Miles would just constantly pop off. Like he would like kind of latch on, but he wouldn't really totally latch. He would just come off. And so mm-hmm. part of it we thought was maybe like my nipples weren't like protruding enough. He needed more to kind of traction, like grab onto. And so that's why we did the nipple shield so that it would be easier for their little mouths. And maybe as time we could take it away and my, you know, cause your nipples do some crazy things after you have, you know, even if it's only for a short period of time. And I have heard that. Um, I had a friend that really struggled and she always used nipple shields. And her problem was that her, I guess her nipples were shorter yeah. than, you know, is the preferred nipple of a breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that can be helpful um, with that or if your nipples are inverted, um, those can be helpful. Oh my. I'm I know, so babe. Hi. You just want some loving? He's like, mom, I forgot you were over here. And then like, <laughs> yeah. So, so she's petting, petting you. <laughs> she loves to give you pats and like rub your back. Hey. Yeah. And pet the dog. So we're talking about you. He's <laughs> so cute. Oh my goodness. What's cool about her story is that she, that she would go between the breast and the bottle. It didn't seem to be a problem with that. That's great. Yeah, switch back and forth just fine, which was, which was nice. But then for me, I'm like, how much is she really 
getting yeah. that's the frustrating part when you're breastfeeding no matter if you're struggling or not because you're like how much how much are they drinking did you, know? you ever do like a a transfer weight like did you ever go did okay. um, first time I did that was at um the breastfeeding support group and it honestly like it was a lot to do that publicly because you're kind of crossing your fingers that it's going to work. Yeah. And then they weighed her afterwards and her weight had not changed. And I like lost it. I was like, you're kidding. You just saw me sit here and do this, you know, for 30 minutes and there's no change. Like you've got to be kidding me. Um, and then that's a process that I repeated with the lactation consultants and it still was never really a great change. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, maybe like an ounce or two. Yeah. Um, which is why we just continued going with the supplementing. Yeah. And yeah. I did have, I'm sorry. That's okay. Please don't be. I have one. How about this? Um, so I did meet one of the lactation consultants suggested to not give her as much afterwards in the supplement um, and see if that would encourage her to take more when she was nursing. Yeah. And we tried that for a week or two and she wasn't gaining enough weight. You know, they tell you so many ounces per week in the beginning. Yeah. And we just didn't feel comfortable with that. And everybody is different. Yeah. Um, people, maybe they, they're on like their second or third kid and they know that it's going to work out eventually. But we were just too nervous um, to not have her making that yeah. growth that we really wanted to see. And so we're like, yeah. we'd rather offer her, you know, the full amount, whatever she needs. And if she doesn't take it, that's fine. But like to not offer it to her, we just weren't comfortable with that. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's another reason to talk to lots of lactation. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And it sounds like in the end, you ended up finding the person that you really needed to, to you, it was that relationship that you really needed because in the end, you needed a little bit of a nudge to help you be okay with the decision that you ultimately had to make. Right, right. Um, and it's funny because John and I both were like, we were formula fed and we're totally fine. <laughs> Actually, like, you know, we're yeah. relatively smart. Like we're pretty active people. Like we don't have any like major issues. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Things. I think back in the eighties, early nineties, when we were kids, like formula wasn't taboo. It breastfeeding was, like, was. Yeah. It was almost <laughs> trendy and breastfeeding was a thing that no one did. Yeah. And I almost feel like it is opposite. And to be the person who is not breastfeeding is taboo. And like, I remember I took a picture of Ivy, like holding her little bottle and she looked so cute. And I was like, I can't post this anywhere because people are going to be all over the fact that I gave her a bottle and they're going to freak out. They're going to think I'm a bad mom. And then now I'm like, why did I think that? Like, I just want to go find everyone who has a picture of their child online drinking a bottle and be like, you go girl. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't want to take you back to this subject partly because I, I know it's hard to talk about, but I feel like it's really important and it kind of talks to what you just mentioned. I want you to tell me a little bit about the final decision that you made. And then you kind of began telling us a little bit earlier about asking John and he said, yes. So tell me after you made that decision, tell me about what happened afterwards. Yeah. So John is a very involved parent. <laughs> Um, and he actually currently, he is her primary parent during the day and he works nights. So he's always played a really active role. And I think that like in the beginning, when you have a newborn, it's hard for dads because they're not the one who honestly is doing all of the things like feeding the baby and all like, you know, they're, they're caring for you. Yeah. And he said, you know, your job is keep her alive. My job is keep you alive. And so <laughs> He made me a whole lot of sandwiches and gave me lots of hugs. He researched breastfeeding probably as much, if not more, and came up with all kinds of different things to try, you know, and he would talk to people that he knew. And so that was really helpful. Like, I didn't feel like I was the only one who was passionate about it. And, um, but he knew all the benefits. I knew all the benefits. And so because he was so passionate about it, I just wanted to make sure like, you know, obviously he was in my corner and he was fine with me saying, is it okay if I give this up? And he was like, he almost was like, why are you even asking me? Of course, like this yeah. is your body. Like, and she's fine. She's healthy. She's thriving. Like, I want you to be fine and healthy and thriving. And like, that's, that's the decision that we need to make. And like, I fully support you. And, um, 
yeah, I think I just, you know, by that point I'd eaten so many bowls of oatmeal, <laughs> so much flaxseed and so much beet reduced and like been chugging water and what's that stuff, body armor. I don't even know. I tried like a trick in the book, but um, I almost just felt like I needed someone else's validation because mine wasn't enough. You know, I didn't want to feel like a quitter. And of course, like you have your own feelings, but you're like, but is it okay? And, you know, even if somebody doesn't validate your feeling, it's, just, it's okay to feel that way. And it's okay to make a decision without anybody else's opinion or approval too. Um, it was just really nice for me to have that team aspect yeah. and um, just, you know, have somebody support you and hold your hand in the next, the next step of the equation, which was, okay, well now we have to figure out like how to do this whole formula journey and um, yeah, going back to work and daycare bottles and all that stuff. And thankfully, and this is going to sound horrible, but thankfully I was back at work for one month. We did daycare for a month and then the world shut down for COVID <laughs> and I could be home with her figuring out that whole thing. And it's like it, you got that time back. Yeah. It gave me so much extra time to bond with her that, you know, I may or may not have had in the very beginning. And it was just like, it was priceless. I mean, obviously there's so much going on in the world that's awful, but I'm so thankful for that because I had nine months at home with my baby and some people get six weeks or less. So I definitely won't complain about that. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It's precious time. I'm so glad you got that too. Yeah. All this is said and done, your formula feeding, and here you are now. What would you, I mean, like knowing what you know now, what would you maybe have done different or maybe what would you do different if you guys decided to have another baby? Like, what do you feel like you would change, whether that's in the the preparation for like birth, like being prepared for when the baby comes or like in those moments of time when you're trying to figure things out with, with a new baby, because each new baby is different too, right? Like you could have another baby and have a whole other set of challenges or hopefully have another baby and it go perfectly well, right? So true. And it is something that I thought about and there are so many different answers, I think. And it kind of depends on what you speculate the issue was, you yeah. know, with the production and in, in, you know, in general. And one of them is, you know, when she's teeny tiny and you're still working on your milk coming in and you're working on your production, like literally just have her on you all the time, like baby wear, have her at the breast, all the things. Like there's no such thing as scheduling their feedings when they're that young. Like even if she's crying and she just ate, have her eat again, you know? And I think that like, I'd heard about cluster feeding and I'm like, oh, you know, that happens gradually, like as it goes along. But I think that with the next, with another baby, I would just... I just always have them, you know, right there. Yeah. See what happens. Um, I've also heard that with your second baby, a lot of times your milk is already there. Um, like when you're in labor or it starts sooner. So I think that like I would be aware of if there was an issue or not, you know, I would yeah. feeling. Um, I also would be interested to see how interventions at or during labor would affect it because that is something that I did not know about until afterwards. And the original plan, you know, everyone has got a great plan. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it works. And a lot of times, you know, you got to be flexible. And basically my plan when I went to the hospital was I just want a healthy baby and a healthy outcome. I would like to avoid, you know, an epidural or a C-section if at all possible. Um, I want to do everything I can to get her out naturally, unless it becomes an issue. And, um, I was in labor for a long time and I think it started with prodromal labor. So I just hadn't had a lot of sleep when we got to the hospital. By the time we got to the hospital, I've been up for like probably 24 hours. And um, then I was there for 24 hours in labor. So it was I was very tired by the end. And I think after 12 hours at the hospital, I still hadn't progressed enough dilation to really be moving her out. And I was in a lot of pain and I was so tired. And they were like, we're going to need you to sleep so you can get the baby out. Like if you don't go to sleep, you're not going to be able to be strong enough to push 
her out. Yeah. And so one of the things that they did was give me a, like a sleep aid, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, in an IV. And I literally would fall asleep between contractions. And John said it was like the weirdest thing. <laughs> I would just like pass out and then like wake up, you know, two and a half, three minutes later and then pass out and wake up. Um, but I guess, you know, it was helpful. I wouldn't say you slept. Bad, but <laughs> we did that. And then after about 12 hours of labor and walking around and doing different positions on the ball and like massage, being in the shower, all the things. I got to the point where I just couldn't move. Like my body was just frozen. There was like one position that I could be in and anything else was like unacceptable. Yeah. So we called, I guess it's the anesthesiologist and he came up and he was like, why didn't you call me sooner? Why is too far along? And I was like, no, is it really too late? Um, so they administered the epidural then. And it, what's funny is that that was the only thing that John could not watch the whole experience. Yeah. Um, but after that, after an epidural, obviously you have to stay in bed. So that part was kind of crappy. But I will say I felt great. Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt so much more relaxed. And, you know, I've been reading like a lot of your posts about being able to relax, to like get the baby out and, you know, the epidural was what I needed to do that because after that is when my body started progressing. Yeah. Um, and then 12 more hours later, <laughs> I had a baby. So um, during that time, though, when we got close to the end, my contractions were um, getting less strong and they did put a monitor in on those things and they administered, I guess, it's a Pitocin that makes yeah. you more. Yep. Um, because at the very end, they were like, okay, gotta get her out here. Yeah. So I'm wondering, obviously, all of those things factor into milk production and things like that. And so I wonder for myself if it'll be a shorter labor time next time, if I would be able to make it through without an epidural or without any kind of drug intervention, not for like a gold star or a, yeah. a badge of courage, but just so I can, I don't know, fl flow more easily. Into yeah. The fourth trimester, you know. No, it makes so, so much sense. And, 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 you know, this is something I really want to talk with Alicia on because I do think that it's something that a lot of moms think about after they've had the baby. Like there's so many of those thoughts. And I, I was the one where I definitely did some research on breastfeeding, but I was majorly, I, and I still love one of my very favorite topics is birth and pregnancy and learning about all those things. And I would say that <clears throat> it feels, it, it seems like through everything that I've learned that it, it makes all the sense that all of those things could potentially affect all of it. Right. Because it's, I mean, essentially it's adding additional chemistry to these hormones that are perfectly concocted to be able to do these things appropriate for your body. However, then you also think in your situation, but Ivy latched, like she latched really quickly, you know, right afterwards. And so you know, I think sometimes that information kind of contradicts itself, but to me, it makes so much sense that that would all, that would have, that would have some effect. My concern so much after having my C-section was that that caused him to not be able to latch. Like he was too tired and he was like, we were at the hospital thinking we had this angel baby who never cried and was super happy and like calm. And then of course we get home that night and we ended up with cluster feeding and we'll cover my story another day, but you know, I thought so much about that and I knew that going in, I was so concerned that because of the C-section that I was going to have issues with supply. And I don't know if I, I think it in turn ended up being a latching issue, which was a transfer issue, but I feel like so much of that had to do with the fact that he was just tired. Like he didn't have the attention span. He didn't have the energy to really, really, really try. So it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to tell, but I get it you know, you have those questions and I hope that we can find a little bit of answers. Yeah. Well, and it's hard also to look back and like speculate all those things. Yeah. Because, well, you know, some of those things were choices that I made and had I known what I'd still have made that choice. And so, honestly, like 95% of me says, yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. the goal was to have the baby come out of my body. <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like had I not made some of those choices, I think that the the way that she would have come into the world would have been different. Yeah. Uh, which is also still okay, but definitely a different recovery and a different 
um, different perspective than I yeah. was really prepared for. Yeah. You, on the same line of conversation of like preparing, one of the things I hadn't really thought too, too much about before you and I talked um, was when you're thrown into this situation where you're like, you have to start making decisions on supplementing and your doctors are telling you like, you need to use formula. And then you think of like donor milk, it all of a sudden becomes this intense moment where you're like, okay, I have to learn all this stuff that I hadn't really thought or considered or learned about before. And it's incredibly overwhelming. And you're faced with trying to figure out what's, what your best options are, what your options are. And then, you know, you're digging into formula, like what's the best formula to give her. And so what would you tell maybe a new mom, you know, she's not there yet. She hasn't had the baby. Like, what do you feel like would be some advice you would give her knowing what you know now? So I think advice that I would give another mom or advice or things that I'm going to do myself if I, if we are to have another is I would just, I would have bottles at my house on hand. You know, I did get a couple at my baby shower, um, that, you know, people highly recommended. They were like the little events bottles with like the little non-colic thing in them. And I had those, but like, I hadn't really thought about formula. I didn't have any at my house. I hadn't researched it. Um, I didn't know what I wanted. So, and we went through a couple of different types of bottles before Ivy really decided which one she was going to like. So that's also a thing. Um, And a lot of people that I talked to had said that, like, if you if you need to use a bottle, a lot of times they have trouble um, really making that connection with the bottle. And the one that she liked first off, they were the wide mouth ones. Yep. So you want to see like the Dr. Brown ones are real teeny and everybody loves Dr. Brown's, but they also have a wide, wide mouth bottle. So does Tommy Tippy, mm-hmm. And they were the most breast-like, I guess. Yes. yes. And it was the easiest for me to go back and forth between breastfeeding and bottle feeding if they had that type of top or that type of nipple and even had like a textured nipple. So if you're planning on going back and forth, maybe stock up on some things like that that aren't like the smooth top bottles. Um, I would also ask your doctor, your OBGYN for formula samples because they always have things on hand that they yeah. can that you can use in case of an emergency or you can try and if it if it works for their bodies and they take to it well then that's something that you can go out and like stock up on sure the other thing that we were afraid to do is to go like head first into formula get you know these big huge cans and then her body doesn't like it yeah or there's something that doesn't agree with her or there's issues with constipation you know there's there's a whole thing with formula sorry now we found the musical okay it's okay we got some background music now. It's all good. <laughs> Pop it move. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because I know that some people, when they know they're going to formula feed, they'll register for a certain kind, like sure or their baby list or whatever. And so sometimes I'm like, Ooh, that's a little risky. <laughs> you yeah, it's like you're putting, yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. You, you know, they could react any different way. We were super lucky and, um, Ivy didn't have any like adverse reactions really to, to anything. And she still doesn't. She eats like a champ. She eats everything that we eat and it's amazing. Um, but when we talked to our pediatrician about it, she is wonderful and loves newborns, is a breastfeeding advocate, but also is just a mom advocate. And she was very kind about talking to us about formula. And so that's one of the things you can do is talk to your pediatrician Yeah. Um, in addition to your OBGYN. But I think a lot of times pediatricians are more familiar with that just because that's the population that they work with. Yeah. I know my doctor in particular, um, my OBGYN was like, well, once the baby's out, like. You're moving on. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like when they're growing up, that's a a pediatrician's uh, expertise. But basically what she had told me is she's like, you know, even an off-brand formula is basically they're all made together and they package them in different packages. So if you buy the Similac or you buy the, you know, Kirkland brand or whatever, it's exactly the same. The ingredients are the same. It's the same. So she was like, don't let that hold you up. Um, and cool. she's, you know, there's, there's differences between brands, uh, but they're very minimal. And you know, all the regulations in the United States pretty much say like, this is what they have to contain for brain development and things like that. Um, There are some that I think have like more iron 
perhaps there's some for sensitive stomachs, which we didn't end up needing. Yeah. Um, and then of course, if you're looking for like completely organic, whatever they, they have like a huge selection of those, they're quite expensive. Sure. Um, and not super drastically different. Um, there are options to import them from other countries, <laughs> which some people that are so passionate about, um, having, you know, certain things in their formula or having it come from yeah. certain, you know, types of farms and things, they will do that. But that just wasn't something that we were, we were into. You also didn't have the time for that. We were like, we got to do this. We got to go. It's got to be a target. Or cost yeah. Right. And um, so, yeah, we ended up, honestly, we used Kirkland formula and it's their Kirkland version of the Similac, whatever it was they yeah. gave us at the hospital. And we figured if she'd already had it and was reacting well to it, we might as well continue because I think when you switch back and forth causes some, some irritation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of kept going with that. And then one of the best pieces of advice that I got from another mom friend um, who switched to formula actually because she was transferring with the Coast Guard and she's like, I just can't do this whole breastfeeding in the car or whatever. Yeah. And she said, get the formula pitcher so that you're not like, I know, right? I didn't even know it was a thing. So if you go online on Amazon, I think it's like $13, but it looks like a water pitcher. And then you put the formula in there, like all the little scoops. And then there's like a plunger and it mixes the thing together and it makes like one nice, you know, big pitcher of formula. And so instead of buying the ready-made stuff, you can get it okay. all ready to go for your whole day rather than making individual bottles and shaking them or whatever, because then that makes more bubbles and then that makes more gas. And so if you formula feed, get the picture. All right. I think that's yeah. a great tip. Not to mention, we ain't got time. Like when you're dealing with all that, you don't have time. So whatever minutes you can get back, when there it are takes time to make the bottles. bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, it's something that, you know, you think about with breastfeeding. Oh, they, you know, that you know that they're hungry. They're already crying. There you go. But then you're like, oh, now I have to go and find the formula scoop, get the bottle, make the bottle, shake it up, warm it up. Like that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Stressed while they're freaked out. So anytime you can shave off of that is yeah. ideal. So I feel like, so I feel like one of the biggest takeaways that I have had with our conversations and today is what we just talked about, like really maybe. I don't, I, I hate, I hate the idea. And I, and I get, we don't want to do this, right? You don't want to put negative thoughts. You don't want to like think, okay, my, my breastfeeding journey is going to go bad, but there's so much to be said for just having knowledge and, and having knowledge that allows you to create your own opinion and how you would want to go about things once the baby is here. And if these, these problems arrive, I think that's why going back to kind of like birth and stuff, it's, it's so hard to make decisions at the hospital when you maybe have very little knowledge of mm -hmm. what all these things mean for you and how you would actually feel about them if somebody else wasn't being like, this is probably a good idea for you to do. And we all want to trust our providers. Somebody said something in a podcast. We put so much time and money in planning. We plan a wedding for like a year or something, right? Like we plan, take so much, some of us take so much time planning a wedding, but the most, one of the most important days of our entire life, we do so little planning for and so much of our attention, like when we're pregnant come, does come down to the products. Like I remember being super overwhelmed by a crib mattress and the crib sheets and diapers. What's going to be the best thing for my baby. I feel like the formula and learning about donor milk is just as important. And I don't think, I mean, the donor milk thing, I, I definitely have felt like, okay, I wish I would have done research on that because it was such a struggle of deciding whether or not, and, and the doctors and also like even breastfeeding consultants, they can give you some information, but they're not going to tell you what they would suggest. You have to make that decision for yourself. That's a liability. There's so many things that go into that. And so you have to be able to have the information to make the decision and think about how much less stress and anxiety there could have been. When I think about myself, it would have been so helpful mm -hmm. if I would have had all this information and already knew how, at least if I had to go this route, okay, this sucks. I really wish that this wasn't the case, but I know what I know, and this is what I would like to do, or this is the product I would like to choose. I just feel like, I know that just adds one more thing onto the list of things you have to do before baby, but it just, I feel like in the long run would be really yeah, beneficial. Is, like, it is so helpful because everyone talks about like the fourth trimester 
and how you do so little preparation for that. And I feel like feeding a baby is a huge part of that fourth trimester and what's going on. And, you know, everybody knows the the two ways that you can give birth pretty much. And you've done lots of research on both things and you've probably looked at the drugs and all of that. And so like, you're preparing for that because you're like, this is going to happen to my body either this way or this way. And so yeah. like, I think you know everything you need to know about that process, or at least like, I felt like I did because I was really freaked out. <laughs> but then like, you know, knowing that there's a billion different choices to feed your baby, that was not something that really had crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it is something that I recommend that everyone be prepared for just because you never know. Okay. Did you, you have it, Alex? So sweet. Thanks for showing me. She's like, I love to hug everything. Ouch, my hair. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the lactation consultants that I met with, um, she was very personable. And she said, you know, we have, I guess, like a larger Russian population around here. Really? Um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. But she said a lot of my Russian mothers. <laughs> okay, thanks will always feed their baby's formula the first couple of days because they just know it takes a while for their milk to come in. And it's wow. just like a cultural thing that they just all do. I don't judge them for doing that. Like their babies are full and there you go, you know? But yeah. like, it's not, it's not a cultural thing for us. It's like, you know, breastfeeding is like the only way. Yeah. Or it seems that way sometimes. And I know. You're very right. You're very right choosing formula is only going to be a choice. You're like, oh, I'll choose formula if that's what I want. But sometimes that's what you need and you're not prepared to need it. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where that preparation, I think would come in handy. Agreed. This is why I'm always in a bun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question. Then I'm going to let you go. Sorry. <laughs> and it's okay. Please don't apologize. I want you to be able to have time with her and John. What is the message you want mamas to hear that have gone through this or maybe listening to this right now and, and down the road, they may end up in a similar situation as you were in. What do you want them to know? Um, I'm like literally pulling out all the stops here. I'm like handing every <laughs> possible thing to Ivy to make her calm down. Um, has a plant. <laughs> yeah, she's got a plant. It's a ficus. It's not real. So the thing that I would want everybody to know just from my experience is that no matter how you feed your baby, you're still an amazing mom. And you might feel like the world is judging you. They're not. We're all in this together. Like literally every single mom, it's like a secret club that, you know, no one really knows the value of until you become a part of it. And you're like, you reach out to people and they feel your story and they like know what you're feeling and they know your anxieties and they know that your your best intentions obviously are to have your child grow and thrive. And so you've grown them for nine months and you support, you know, this little being and you're nourishing them in more ways than just breast milk. And I think that that's hugely important because when that was something that I couldn't do for her, I felt like I was majorly failing. And then I thought about all the other ways that I'm helping her thrive and all the other ways that I can surround her in love and nourishment and encouragement. And it's way more than just feeding. So being a mom is not breastfeeding and breastfeeding is not being a mom. And any way that you can have your child grow is totally fine and more than fine, more than fine, wonderful, in fact. And, you know, yeah, I just hope that everybody can feel confident no matter how they feed their child, whether they're in public or at home or whatever it is, because having that shame surround you when you're doing something so special for your kid is terrible and nobody should feel that. So yeah, you're only doing good things for your baby. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. I love that so much. That was really beautiful. Oh my gosh, sometimes I'm like, are, are words leaving my mouth right now? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, no. maybe you suck out your brain cells and then you're like, complete sentences. What are those? Well, I know. Passwords to anything anymore. Yeah. And like, <laughs> my wallet needs to be attached to my body because that's not, I know, uh, it's ridiculous. Well, thank you so, so much. I loved, it's just, we haven't talked for so long. And it's been so nice just, I don't know, catching up and being friends again, but 
No, it's nice to see your face. Ditto. Ditto. I'm, you know, I'm home all the time. So feel free to FaceTime me whenever you feel like it. Totally. Be like, this is our COVID friendship, you know, like <laughs> you can really be friends with anyone across the country right now because like you can't yeah. see each other in person. So yep. just, it, you know? it's true. It's so true. We can do a little like Zoom play date with Miles and <laughs> they can feed each other through the TV. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, go soak up that time with John and I love seeing her too. That was so sweet. She's, she's, she's pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I'll talk Thank to you guys you. soon. Bye. Bye. Great waving. <laughs> oh my goodness. See you later. Bye. Hey mamas, before you peace out. If what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast, and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So... Let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our Mama Collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspire. Let's get it, Mama.